Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. How are you today? We're fine. This is the place right here where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp. The responses are never dull. Today, we're going to talk to Gia Shaw. We're going to talk about a dietless life. What is that? Everybody is on a weight management program. Some are trying to gain, some are trying to lose. But what about the ones like us that are just trying to maintain, that are still trying to live a happy life? Um, She is a wonderful person. Uh, I found her on Facebook, which is a very valuable resource. I tell you guys all the time, it's the low-hanging fruit. So we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Let's welcome her to the show. How are you, Gia? Hello, and hello, Brains. Great to be here. Hey, hey, hey. I love it. I love it. So tell us first. How do you show up in the world and how did you find yourself in this space? You know, my big thing right now is I like to say that I help people get the kinks out of their minds and bodies. Mm. And I started with massage, but health and wellness has always been a big thing for me. And I know we hold a lot of trauma and a lot of things in our bodies and everything starts with our minds. So it kind of encompasses all of that. um, And it's all important. The whole person. Well, you know, uh, I get it, you know, but I've been working with some people up at the Chopra Center, Deepak Chopra, and the big buzzword now is consciousness. Yes. Mindset so much because mindset sometimes can leave you stuck. Your mind is so fixated on one particular thing that you can't see the forest for the trees. Um, And I like how you say a dietless life. I call it a livid. Yes. Because you get to a certain point in your life where, again, when you were a baby, you had to have liquids. You were introduced to solids. You were introduced to junk food. You were introduced to grease and fat and all this other kind of stuff, soda pop. Now, as we transition and we get older, we have to regress back to that because, you know, there's still some folks on baby food uh, at this point. Finding a balance, but the hardest thing is really trying to figure out What is it that no longer serves you, right? Yes. How do we begin to, to, you know, sort that out? Because we've been eating, you know, like African-Americans. Excuse me. (laughs) We eat more than braids. But, uh, you know, we like our soul food. We like our sugar. We like our cornbread. We, you know, starches and carbs, all that. But you can't process that. Even milk. Now, I notice I can't do milk like I used to, you know. How do we start to look at food a different way and figure out what is no longer serving us? Yeah, I think one of the big things is looking at food as our medicine and looking at choosing health. And just the way that the processed foods are created now, um, it's so unhealthy. And we are bombarded by ads and by diets and all of these things, but really tuning in to what works for our bodies and being more conscious. So when we do eat certain things, 
if we can tune into how our bodies feel after we eat that, because we go through different phases in our lives and some people can eat certain things and some people can't. And so the big thing for me is awareness and finding out it's an individual thing for everyone and finding something that means health for you and that will allow you to feel the best in your own body. And a lot of that works around the mindset as well, not having the shame and the guilt when you do want to indulge in things with in celebration to not have that guilt, that guilt creates cortisol and is, is just as harm, just as harmful. So really being conscious, not doing the stress eating, but finding things that feed your soul instead of that eating and moving your body. It's all encompassing, but I really think it starts with awareness and choosing health and loving your body. When you love your body, you're going to treat it better. Well, a lot of people don't love their body because it's disproportionate. <laughs> you yes. know, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm seeing all this belly bloat and I'm like, you know, April, really? But then I dial back and say, ah, oh, you did have a carbonated soda. Not one, you had two. That's going to add to it. You did have some milk with that cereal. You didn't have almond milk. You had whole milk. You know, that's why you're playing a tune. <laughs> Those, those kind of things. So I, I totally understand. So I take responsibility for them, but they were guilty pleasures and it was something that I enjoyed, but I can't do that every day. Exactly. And you can't do that every day. You know, me and my husband, it's like eggs. I do this thing called my fitness. I think it's my fitness planner online or whatever. I could not believe where my cholesterol and my sodium was coming from. I just yes. thought it was totally something else. When you use programs like that, or you keep a food journal, you really are held accountable. It's yes. a lot of work, but I'm finding it kind of fun because it's almost like going to Vegas. I'm trying to hit that number. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find yourself in this space? Did you have a weight challenge? You know, I, my challenge was, I was, I was addicted to all the different types of dieting and it realized, I realized that it really didn't serve me. I almost um, took pride in the fact that I could, I was on different cleanses and different, different programs. And I realized that being on those restrictive diets is really not healthy. And I wanted to find a way that I could enjoy life and do things that are more sustainable. And, um, actually my daughter kind of gave me a wake up call too. Uh, we were talking and she talked about how, um, the things that I used to say about my body and things were, were um, challenging for her. And she said that it was um, not a good thing. And so really looking at, especially for young, for uh, people with younger children, the way we talk about our bodies and the way we talk about food can instill those thoughts in our children in ways that we can't even imagine. And so it really goes back to loving ourselves, which it took me a long time to get there. And sometimes if we can't love ourselves, we do it for other people first. And that's where it starts. And then over time, you can learn to love yourself. And so it's really looking at um, loving your body. And I want to give people that same gift to be able to love food and love their bodies and to respect themselves and make choices from that space. That's what I started to do. You know, I um, now every day, I do some sort of exercise. Is it a medicine ball? Is it a hula hoop? My bicycle? I walk? I do something because you know what? I don't look at it as a chore. I look at it as a gift. 
Do you know how many people don't wake up? Do you know how many people can't walk? Do you know how many people are wearing diapers and lose their incognites all the time? Do you know of the people that are starving in the world that don't have anything? Do you know of the people that have, you know, body dysmorphia, as you said? So look at it as a gift that you are able to do these things, that this is a part of loving yourself, no matter what size you are, yes. as long as you're healthy, because we're all not going to be what these uh, scales or the norm or what the BMI says or what the blood pressure says. We're all different. So you have to figure out what your range is and what your gauge is. So when people work with you, what do they have to look forward to? The, I use hypnosis. And one of, one of the big things we do is a lot of times when we are eating certain ways and we have certain views about who we are, it came from messages that were given to us when we were young in our subconscious mind. And a lot of times we're not even aware of those things. Someone could have said something to you when you were young and you held it inside and didn't even realize it. And so one of the core things we do is I use, it's called, um, it's called uh, Dietless Life. And we go down to where those, those memories, where those messages were given to you are uncovered. And we look at those and we rewrite that story as the young adult or as the adult we are with the wisdom that we have now and rewrite that. And you're given a different hypnosis each week that you listen to each week to reprogram your mind. Every habit starts with a belief. And so you're reprogramming yourself to have different beliefs around who you are and what your new habits are. Okay. So you're using NLP. Uh, hypnosis. Programming. Yeah. Yep. With that in there too. Uh, and RTT. Yes. Really? Okay. So a lot of people are into RTT now. That's just accelerating brains. It's, it's yes. getting, she's going to explain to us what that is in just a moment. However, in all transparency, okay, I have been listening to these weight loss hypnosis uh, uh, sessions on YouTube and I fall asleep. Okay. But that doesn't mean that it's not still penetrating my subconscious mind. Absolutely. Right? Because when I wake up the next day, I make better conscious choices. But it's being consistent, brains. You got to show up. Damn it. I tell you that all the time. You got to show up. You got to do the work. Uh, Gia can give you all the magic recipes in the world, but if you don't apply them and do them, it's a moot point. So can you, uh, can you give us one for consistency? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, it, if you don't commit to yourself and making this a priority, it isn't going to work. And we make time for the things that are important. And the big thing is deciding that you're going to choose health and choose you and making that a big prior priority in your life. And there's no one that can do that. No one can do that, but you. And it's when you, when you reach that point where you're like, I've had enough and I'm going to make a change now and I'm going to choose myself and my health no matter what it takes. And it's only a few minutes and you, you're worth it. You know, what, do you, what else are you going to, you're going to watch TV or you're going to go and do something else for someone else and not give that gift to yourself. So I know. you got, you gotta, you gotta feed yourself first. I was thinking about when my mother was transitioning 
and the things that no longer served her. My mother had a sweet tooth like no other. She said, oh, no. She says, when I eat that, it's too sweet now. It stings my tongue. I said, really? Her palate was changing. Yes. She says, oh, no, I don't like bacon anymore. It gives me indigestion. I don't like this. I don't like that. And I was just kind of watching what she was going through as she's going to her heavenly place. You didn't need the things here. Also, that Mediterranean diet that they brag so much about. Well, I've been to Italy and I watched them very carefully. Gia, those people would have seven course meals and complete everything. And I'm saying to myself, how come they're not rolling them out of here? And they would eat the whole lobster, they'd eat the whole salad, a whole bowl of pasta, but it's also farm to table. Yes. It's not this processed stuff that we get. And here in America, I'm going to say it if nobody else says it. I don't trust a lot of the labeling. Sugar-free, fat-free, gluten-free, la, 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 organic. How do I really know? What I do is I just try to shop the outer perimeter of the grocery store and stay away. You know, uh, now... I, you know, my husband goes, you got all these herbs growing, right? Because I'm not buying the ones that are full of salt. You know, yeah, you got to put a little salt and pepper in your stuff, but you have to really watch and looking at the ingredients. I was looking at one product like tortillas. I was looking at one brand of tortilla. I had purchased all my life. I went to the uh, Hispanic grocery store and looked at their tortillas. It was one third one third of the stuff that I have been eating all this time. So reading the labels are very important. A lot of times they say, if you can't uh, pronounce it, don't eat it because <laughs> it's a chemical. What other suggestions do you have for us? One of the big things, not only for the dietless life, but just to have your best life is to have a morning routine that works for you and an evening routine that works for you. And that I have variations of it depending on how much time I have, but every day waking up and doing the same thing to get your body and your mind in the right place. So I have a bottle of water right by my bed. As soon as I get out of, I do some visualizations in bed before I even get out of bed and some little mini meditations. I, gratitude is absolutely huge for me. I live in gratitude. And before I, before my feet touch the ground, I think about three things I'm grateful for from the previous day. I drink my water, break a sweat. I go downstairs and I don't watch television, but I put on my YouTube video, depending on how much time I have, either five, 10 or 15 minutes of doing either a HIIT workout or my ab workout just to get my body moving. And then I start my morning prayer. I have a meditation, gratitude meditation that I listen to. I have my song that gets me going. And my normal one is about 20 minutes, but if I have more time and I extend it, I go out for my hill walk and I just spend that morning time drinking the water, even before I have my coffee, getting my body moving and getting my head in the right space before anything else. And I think that sets the tone for the rest of the day. That's is number water, one. Is your water room temperature or is it cold? Yeah, yeah it's, it's room temperature. Okay. All right. Because people say there's a big difference in that and how the body processes it. But yes. sometimes, sometimes there's nothing like cold water. And that's how I got off drinking a lot of sodas. Because, baby, we would be a two-liter household and have six of them all the time. 
But what I started to do was I told myself, why refill? If you are still thirsty, drink water. Yes, yes. Drink water. But then water also creates bloat. So you have to be careful how much water you drink. It's a delicate dance. It really is. But I think, like you said, being conscious, waking up with gratitude and having a routine, which creates the consistency, you know, that you do those things. I'm trying to have more of my heavier meal in the middle part of the day. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, because I'm still sitting and doing stuff, but I'm not going right to bed on it. You know, yes. and I'm trying to give myself 12 hours and those 12 hours, don't think of it as a chore brain. It can be while you're sleeping. Sleep is critical, but yes. while you're sleeping, you can have that time to allow the body to process all the food that you've put in it the day before. Yes. So, um, when you say a dietless life, again, it is being conscious, it's being aware, but what about that person that is, um, you know, that is dieting. What do you say to them? You know, everybody has their own journey, but most diets are not set up for long-term success. Mm -hmm. And most of them have an end result over a certain amount of time or, or over a certain amount of weight loss. And what happens when that's over? Mm. That's the, that's the challenge. And people go back to real life and that comes back and that cycling is really hard on the body. You generally end up gaining more weight and your body, when you're in that starvation phase, that's really unhealthy. And so just getting people off of that cycle, if people have found something that works for them, that is sustainable, I don't consider that a diet, that's a lifestyle. But if you're going on these small periods of time where you're just trying to really restrict everything for a short amount of time, for a certain number, what happens when that's over? Right. And it's really important to look at what's sustainable for you to stick with that's going to work and not having um, those restrictions and really being able to indulge in those things. If you have a family member who has a birthday party, being able to enjoy that one piece of cake and not feel guilty about it. And during the holidays, if you have some special foods around the holidays, to be okay with that. And then the next day, go back to your healthy choices. I know. My guilty pleasure are sweets and a good cocktail. Oh, I make this hot toddy. Oh, yeah. But I didn't realize. I really didn't realize. Well, I should have realized because it's got apple cider. It's got, uh, you know, a little bit of cognac in it. It's got cinnamon. It's got, you know, a slice of apple. Sometimes it's got a, an orange. There's a lot of sugar in that. And you have two of those. And then I have two boiled eggs in the morning. So it's trying to figure out what works. Again, a food journal really helps you look and say, okay, oh, well, I had this yesterday and I had that. Maybe I won't do this. Maybe I'll do this. And then once it becomes a routine, it becomes mechanical. You'll say, oh, okay, you know, Monday through Friday, these are my morning choices. Here are my evening choices. Um, and some deviation from that. So let's talk about deviation. You talked about your daughter a little bit. Um, what was it? Some of the things that she that she noticed about you that you know that she didn't like, that was kind of a warning sign that made you wake up and say, ah, maybe let me do something a little differently. I realized that I would be talking to myself previously just about how my body looked 
Um, I may be putting something on and saying, oh, my body doesn't look good in this or, oh, I need to lose weight. And we don't realize the impact that could can have on on children and even around food. Oh, I can't eat that. That may, you know, I, I used to love being on those restrictive diets and I almost felt felt proud of myself that I could stick to that and that I was that strong not realizing um, that it wasn't good for me and the messages that I was sending out to her. And so sometimes we don't even think about the, um, what we're, the messages we're sending to the people, the young people around us and what we're setting them up for. Well, you know, and then you look at what's going on with social media. Yes. Brains, what you have to understand is that these chicks pay for that. I knew KK before the boobs and the booty. Okay. I knew that. And the girdle. I looked at these waistlines that they have now. They have crushed their organs. They, there's no way. Where, where did you put all this stuff? And then my aunt, she said, I had the cotton pick the liposuction and it grew back on the back of my neck. <laughs> okay. But some people have to do that. You know, they have to have you know, gastric bypass or, or, or what a lap band surgery, whatever it is that they need because they're at a critical state. But again, the mindset, you got to get your head around it after you've lost the weight because you're being introduced to a whole new person. You know, you just lost a hundred and some odd pounds. Now you have to readjust and say, oh, wow, how do I accept these compliments? And, you know, am I deserving of this? And Am I worthy? You go through a whole nother mind trip, Gia. You know you do once yes. you lose a whole lot of weight. So you got to start incorporating that as you go. I know uh, my daughter's on a, a weight management program right now. She's using something that's very restrictive. Um, but I hear her talking to her coach. And we went on a cruise and she looked at the buffet differently. She says, oh, mate, you know, I really want to try that, but let me get small portions. And if I like it, then I'll get more of it or whatever, but let me try. Don't just fill up the plate, you know, yay high. And she looked at, you know, the, the calories. She didn't deprive herself. She had a good time. And when she got back, she gained about a, a pound and a half, but she didn't beat herself up over it. She said, you know what? This was fun. It wasn't like she gained five or 15 and she continued that. She went right back to that same train of thought. So that's good. And it's very important what you're saying about that. So let's ask you some fun questions about you. How about that? I love to ask these questions. Uh, if you could travel through time, what period would you land in and why? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think the 50s would be kind of fun. Ooh, why the 50s? The the music and the energy and, you know, I'm, I like Fonzie and leather jackets and motorcycles and poodle skirts and <laughs> oh that's fun i think i go futuristic i want to be like in 3000 oh <laughs> i want to see i want to see what's happening there uh if you had to pick a planet what planet would you be from oh so probably here <laughs> you like earth yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very livable here. Yeah. I like Saturn. I like all the rings. I, I yes. That too. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? I'm a tiger. You're a tiger? Why are you a tiger? Well, I used to be an exotic animal keeper and I... No, really? 
Yeah, I, I was exposed to all different animals. So I've been around um, all different animals and I just absolutely love the tigers. All right, so I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna deep dive into that <laughs> because you know, what was his name? I can't remember his name. You remember the guy that was on TV that had all the tigers. The Tiger King, yes. The Tiger yes. King. Girl, he was a hot mess in more ways than one. Uh, yeah. But okay, so now what do you... I don't want to say that because the animal rights people will be all in my face and all in your face. What was I, I was on the animal rights side, just so you know. I worked at an animal sanctuary. Okay. And we were very much, we were on, we were, we were um, the, the opposite of the Tiger King. Let's just say that. <laughs> but how in the world do people think that uh, a tiger is something that is like a cat or a dog? You can't. You can't sustain that. You can't maintain it. And they have a mind of their own. I, I just don't get how people try to capture them and hold them as pets. Well, that's how most of the animals that we got at the sanctuary in other states, we were in California and in other states, exotic animal laws are not how they should be. And most of our pets came from a long time ago, actually. They used to use lions and tigers to transport drugs. They would put them underneath the lining of the um, cages and they had to change the laws of that. And people would um, have, the, we had a bear who someone had as a pet, uh, got it when it was young, put a chain around its neck and then it still has the, had the marks of the chain. So yeah, it's a, it's a sad story. It is a sad story. It really, really is. But uh, so what did you do? You, you got to uh, well make friends with them. Yeah, I mean, I, we did. That was the good. They were. We weren't allowed in the cages. Um, only with the wolves, and we had a little marmoset, a little small, uh, small monkey. But the rest of them, we would move them into the other cages. There was a baboon who was by herself, and we were really good friends. And she used to groom me, so I had a, a close baboon friend, <laughs> Harriet. Oh, that was a that was an amazing experience. That was really yes, really good. Yes. If you were an animal. You said that you would be a tiger. Yes. What is it about the tiger that would make you want to live that type of life in the animal kingdom? Well, they're just, I just love watching them. They, they appear to be more fierce, but they're actually just super sweet and playful and just, and their movements, just everything, their personality. I just, I just love, and I love watching them and, and interacting with them they're just and they have different you know all those animals they have just such different unique personalities and i just really was drawn to i had a deeper relationship you know with the baboon and with the wolves and some of the other animals but just as far as just being mesmerized i could watch the tigers for hours it was yeah. and just how they interacted with each other um just gorgeous i'm that way with the silverback gorillas Oh, gorilla trekking in Uganda is on my bucket list. It's it's not safe to go there now, but I want to go to Uganda. You know, you have to get the permits and there's all that stuff there. But I would love to, I love to go see animals in their natural habitat. I've, I've been to Borneo and Uganda and different places, but I would love, I mean, not Uganda, but Kenya. And uh, yeah, I love to see animals in their natural habitat. I had a beautiful story of a lady I used to work with. Um, she was a circus performer. And when the circus came, she said, hey, I got some comp tickets. You want to go with me? Well, we went and believe it or not, 
one of the, the elephants that she rode on sniffed her out in the audience, wow. walked over to us and put the trunk down and lifted her up. Wow. I could not believe it. And so the, the um, circus was disbanding, you know, because animal rights activists said no more, you know, of the circus. Yeah. Long story short, her father bought that elephant for her and put it in a, a preserve. Oh, wow. It was, I mean, wow. it was incredible. And I was like, elephants really do remember. And, and it was just, it was a connection. It was a bond. Like I had never seen, how do you sniff somebody out of the audience of all these people? But they know. They absolutely yeah, we work with elephants. Well, in the baboon, when, when I, I would pull up to her cage was far across the sanctuary and I would pull up and when I was unlocking the gate, she'd be doing her call for me and she would know that I was there. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're smart. Yeah. They're they don't speak smart. the same language we do, but they know. know a lot. And the way that they eat. Yes. You know, I yes. think that was one of the things that really sparked um, a lit a fire in me is watching the silverback gorilla, how bright his eyes was, how his fur was like mink. I mean, there was no like, you know, fleas on him or patchy or anything. It was like mink. And the way that he beat his chest and he roared, mm -hmm. and the way that he just commanded your presence and vegetarian. Yes, yes. You look at the elephant, vegetarian. Yep. Yep. You look at the giraffe, vegetarian. You know, and the, the tigers and uh, the animal kingdom, the cat animal kingdom, they only eat the water soluble, soluble parts of they, they don't eat the skin, you know, they yep. don't eat the fur, they leave that for the buzzards. So remember that, brains, <laughs> when you're eating skin, right? they leave that for the buzzards. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. So I, I, you know, it's something to uh, aspire to, because I hear over and over again that the human body was not made to consume meat, but we do. And I'm not opposed to it because I eat meat as well, but I am very conscious of, you know, what I eat, how much I eat. Uh, and I don't make that the, you know, that the largest portion of my plate. I try. I was raised vegetarian and, and I used to work at a lifestyle education program that promoted vegan. And I was vegan for many years with my exercise. I felt like I needed to add some animal protein, but, uh, very, very, uh, consciously, but I was vegetarian or vegan for the majority of my life. I tried vegan and I tell you, Gia, <laughs> my food tastes like straw. <laughs> It's a full-time job. Yeah, it's definitely, fortunately, I worked for someone, uh, I, I was a massage therapist at a lifestyle education program, and they ran, they owned a health food store and ran vegetarian cooking schools. So I was exposed to the right way to do it uh, right when I started, and and that was a game changer. So it was, it was a lot easier when you have the pros to help you. Talk a little bit about massage. You know, there's people that don't like massage for whatever reason. They may have been, you know, violated. They don't like touch. Uh, they've had someone that has not been gentle with them. But I love a good massage. And brains, if you have one, you have to speak up. You have to tell a person that's too much pressure, not enough pressure, you know, what the situation is. I get it. What drew you to become a massage therapist? That's, I'll try to shorten it up here. Health and wellness have always been important to me. And I was originally going to be a 
pediatric physical therapist. So I used to volunteer at Easter Seals and the school that I was trying to go to was a lottery and I couldn't get in. And the person that I worked with told me that massage used to be used in physical therapy and I should learn it. And my stepsister came over about a week and a half later and said, hey, I wanna go to massage school. It was a small one in California and we need one more person to fill this criteria. And I signed up thinking that it would enhance my physical therapy program. And then I ended up being going into special ed and working with uh, children uh, with, with uh, deeper needs physically. And I worked with the PTs and to get through school, I used my massage therapy. So it was, that's the short story of it. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's amazing. You've touched on a lot. You've had a lot of experience. And so I would definitely trust you. I'd love to work with you. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to work with you, uh, how to be under your spell, under your tiger's spell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brains. I'm on Facebook. You can find me at Gia Shaw and I'm on, I'm on Instagram, Dietless Life with Gia. We're going to put all of her information at the back part of the interview brains because I want you to connect with her. Um, again, it may not be the physical touch, but we're, you know, we're in a different time. We're zooming everything. People are doing Reiki. She's able to do RTT. They're able to, you know, give you hypnosis, give you hypnosis suggestions, tapes, all of those great things. And I think that she's a great person with a lot of experience uh, from the human and the animal. So I think that that's a great balance. Thank you so much, Gia, for being here with us on the edge. We value you and we appreciate you um, because you are a giver and we want to live a dietless life. We just want to live uh, happy and healthy and clean because Americans are, I hate to say it, but we are just out of control. I look down the street and I see people that are just really struggling with their weight. And you go to other countries, like I said, they eat seven course meals like it's nothing. So it's, and they walk a lot. So get out and do some exercise as well. Brains, thank you. Get some exercise with those fingers. <laughs> well, thank you, April. Thank you, Brains. And uh, we want you to love, like, share, and subscribe. Share this with someone that you know, uh, someone that might be able to use the information. Go back and listen to other edgy conversations. We've got nutrition. We've got herbalists, we've got love, we've got music, we've got everything that you need right here on The Edge. Thank you so much, Gia Shaw. Come back and see me again. Keep me posted, all right? Thank you. You're the best. Bye.